Bibles this morning, which we hope you do, would you open them up to Matthew chapter 6? We're going to be looking in verse 10 this morning. We're in our series that we've been hitting and missing recently. A lot of interruptions. It's been difficult to uh, maintain a real focus on this, but we're in the midst of a series called Becoming a People of Prayer. I want to ask you this morning a question or two. The first question is this, what are you doing to, to improve your prayer life? I'm not asking you for a, are you picking up a model, are you picking up a system, are you picking up a formula of prayer, I'm asking are you growing in your desire to pray and what are you doing to encourage that? We want to become a people of prayer, and we asked at the beginning of this series how many here struggle in this area, and nearly every hand went up. And I think we're seven weeks into this prayer series, and I'm kind of wondering, are we making strides forward? You know, every specific word in the scriptures is inspired by God in order to edify our souls. If you like theology, then I'm going to give you two different words for inspiration. First, the word plenary. Plenary inspiration, if you've ever gone to a conference that breaks out into workshops and then they bring all those workshops back into the main session, they call the main session the plenary session. It means full. So all of the Bible is inspired by God. But there's another word for inspiration. And that other word is verbal. And verbal inspiration means that every specific word in the scriptures is inspired by God. We believe that. Both verbal and plenary inspiration of God's word here in this church And so let me ask you, why did God then, very simply, why did Jesus, the Son of God, say in verse 10, your kingdom come? Do you think he might have had a purpose for that? He's talking to God. He's teaching us how to pray to God. This is a petition. This is a request. And he teaches us to pray, God, your kingdom come. Now listen. Not my kingdom. Friends, are you like me? You like your kingdom? You like control? You know what I am? I'm an order buff. I like things in order. And when things get out of order, I get anxiety. And the way that I deal with my anxiety is usually, unfortunately, through anger. That's what the Lord's working in my heart on. Because I like order and anger works. It makes everybody too scared to get out of order. It just wrecks relationships. But that's what I do. I like order. I like control. Guys, I like my throne. And I kind of think that you're like me. I think you like your kingdom. And I think you like to sit on the throne And I think that's wired into every person's sin nature. And God, through his son, is teaching us to shift that little compass needle in our hearts away from self 
and on to God first, because if we're going to learn to pray, if we're going to really learn to worship, then that needle has to be fully calibrated on God. Your kingdom come, God, not mine. So let me ask, have you given up control? Have you surrendered? Or do you have all of your portfolios in order? you have your house perfectly clean? Do you have all of your checks and balances and contingency plans ready? Do you have your life mapped out and your calendar perfectly calibrated to what suits you? Have you given up your order and your control? It's what this prayer is going to force us to do. So are you ready? I'm not sure I am. It's threatening. But let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, thank you for these three words, your kingdom come. Lord, it wrecks our kingdoms, our personal little worlds. That's frightening. A lot of us have lived our whole lives, God, learning how to control, how to order, how to sit on the throne, how to get people to fall in line with our agendas. Lord, it's very difficult to give that up. So I pray that you would teach us that you're telling us we must. It's not an option. It's your kingdom. You're the king. And we're not. Help us with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Your kingdom come is the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Did you know that? Hallowed be your names, number one. That's the first one. We hit that a few weeks ago. This is the second one. He's teaching us, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's teaching us how to approach God. He's teaching us what to ask Him for. First, if you remember from a few weeks ago, we should ask that God would cause His name, it's what it means to hallow God's name, cause His name to be revered in all the earth especially through the way that we live our lives. Do you remember that we said that you can live your life in a way that emulates, imitates, characterizes God's nature, character, and personality? And when we live in that way, God's name is revered, God is hallowed. Nothing is more important to us than that God would hallow his name among us. But this morning, we come to the second petition, and if you literally translate this petition, here's what it's going to say. You want to write it down? You can. I don't have it on the PowerPoint. It says, come, kingdom of God. Now, I know that's earth-shattering. I know some of you are ready to come to the altar, but that's what it says. Come, kingdom of God. And asking for the kingdom of God to come We're asking, friends, for three things. And I want to unfold those for you this morning. Here we go. You ready? You have your outline in front of you, I hope. Matt Millen. That's Matthew Jr. I love that mustache. Number one, we are asking that God would turn sinners to his grace and mercy. Now listen, that's what it means. When we ask God to bring his kingdom, when we pray, Lord your kingdom come, we're asking that God would turn sinners to his grace and mercy. But friends, listen, if you're like me, 
drives me nuts when I don't know what something means. You know, a lot of times when I'm counseling people, this is really a bad thing that I do, but I'll let you into my private little world, all in this effort to get off the throne. When I counsel people and they tell me something that I can't understand and they keep talking, I don't think I hear much of what they're saying because I'm still trying to make sense of what they just said. That's just what I do in my mind. So when I came to this passage and I read your kingdom come, I started asking, what does that mean? What does God's kingdom mean? And I'm going to tell you what I learned. The phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, they're synonymous. They appear 49 times in Matthew, 16 times in Mark, and 38 times in Luke. Now listen, Mark Hart, or Matthew rather, hardly ever says kingdom of God. He almost always says kingdom of heaven. That's because Matthew is the most Jewish of the three, of the four gospel writers. And the Jews never spoke the name of God. So he substituted kingdom of heaven. But the two mean the same thing. Now, friends, listen, if you ask 10 different theologians the question of what the kingdom of God means, you're going to get 10 different answers. You know why? Because it's never, ever precisely defined in scriptures. Instead, Jesus gave pictures of the kingdom of God. He gave analogies of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, it's like a farmer. These are the words of Jesus. The kingdom of God's like a seed. It's like a fish net. It's like a treasure. It's like a king inviting people to a marriage feast. It's like a pearl merchant. It's like a secret and so on. You see, he gives pictures and he gives analogies for the kingdom of God. So if you really want to know what the kingdom of God means, you really need to see these snapshots, these Polaroids that Jesus gives. But I am going to try to define it for you. And here it is simply, ready? Kingdom, a noun followed by a suffix. The suffix dom means dominion. So it's the dominion of a king. How simple is that? You could go to Webster's and find that out. But let me expand on that just a little bit more. William Barclay defines the kingdom of, of heaven as this. He says, it's a society upon earth. You heard that. A society upon earth in which God's will is as perfectly done as it is in heaven. Amen. In short, here's what it means. The kingdom of heaven is simply this, friends. It's the reign of God. Can you remember that? The reign of God. So you ready? What is the kingdom of heaven, everybody? That's what it is. It's not complicated. It's the reign of God. When Jesus said in Mark 1.15 that the kingdom of God is at hand, listen, here's what he's saying. He's teaching that the kingship, the reign, the power of God within the world is about to begin through me. That's what Jesus said. That's what he meant. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God was at the absolute heart of Christ's message. Now, everybody look at me. You got to get this. This is so important. Bart, thanks for distracting. By the way, I'm getting ready to marry Bart and Michelle. Where is she? There she is. They're getting married September. What is it again? I always forget. Thank you. I got, I got to remember that since I'm officiating this. All right. He distracted me, much less everybody else. I love that kid. 
All right, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God was at the heart of Christ's message. So friends, listen, if you want to know what Christ's ministry is about, listen to this verse. You ready? But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for what? That's what he was here for. So you can't really understand what Christ was about unless we understand what the kingdom of God was all about. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning. He came to establish a society, a new society on earth. Now listen, made up of men and women who would fully dedicate themselves to doing his will. To enter God's kingdom, friends, you must repent of your sins. That's what Jesus says. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To pray your kingdom come is to ask God to turn sinners to his mercy in repentance and that they would trust in him and obey his will. Guess what I'm doing with my three-year-old son? The nights that I put him to bed, the nights that I pray with him, I put my hand on his head and I pray out loud to him. I pray, Andrew, I pray, dear God, please turn Andrew's mind to your word, turn his heart to your love, and Lord, bring him into your kingdom. I pray for that for my son. I've done that with all my my children. I'm sure you do too. To pray, Lord, your kingdom come is to pray for your neighbor, to pray for your schoolmates, to pray for your peers at work, to pray for your people, your family that you love that are not yet believers and ask God, to bring them into his kingdom. That's what it means, friends, if you're going to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Right now in China, we have a girl that came up through our youth ministry. She's living in Beijing. She's been there for over a year and a half, I think, or at least a year. And she sends reports of what's happening over in Beijing. And right now there's an incredible mission opportunity for the gospel Unlike ever before, there are at least openings for the word of God. Friends, we need to be praying that God would bring his kingdom to China. This last week, if you've been on the news, you might have read an interview from a son of an incredibly influential Hamas leader who left Islam and he's turned to Christianity And he proclaimed Christ all the way through this secular interview. And Lord, we need to pray, God, bring your kingdom through this man. To prayer for salvation for the lost. God, bring your kingdom to the lost, the weary, the hopeless, and the needy. Friends, if we're going to pray, and by the way, we've all prayed this probably. If you've been in church for any length of time in your life, then you probably have prayed the Lord's Prayer. But you need to know that when you pray, your kingdom come, you're first praying that God would bring those outside of His kingdom into His kingdom through repentance. But there's another point. We're also asking, number two, that God would focus our hearts and transform us. That God would focus our hearts and transform us. Friends, God wants sons 
and daughters fully committed to his will. So to pray your kingdom come is to ask for at least two things. And here they are. Number one, God, give me, give to me a greater understanding of kingdom living. Give to me a greater understanding of kingdom living. Now, listen, we belong to the kingdom of God. If you're in Christ, you are in the kingdom of God. Friends, the kingdom of God is in you. We belong to God the King, therefore our wills must reflect it. We must know that we are utterly dependent on our King. Friends, listen, there's not one Christ-honoring good work that you and I could ever, ever do without the, the Spirit of God motivating it. Did you know that? Ephesians 2.10 For even all the good works that we do have been created for us before even the creation of the world. Friends, we are utterly dependent on the king, powerless without the spirit of God. I cannot do anything apart from the spirit. Apart from him, I'm dead. The vine shrivels up. It's why we are to pray for God's kingdom to come. We cannot make this happen on our own. That's what Zechariah 4, 6 says, but not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Friends, do you remember a month and a half ago when I shared with you from Ezekiel? And I told you about the power of the Ruach. You remember the Ruach, Hebrew word for the spirit of God, the breath of God? Do you remember the deepening river of water coming from the throne of God in Ezekiel 45? Do you remember the rivers of living water that will flow from our hearts in John chapter 7? Friends, this is the dynamic power of God to bring his kingdom to the hearts of people, reviving them and giving them the hope of glory. See, Jesus taught us how to live in this kingdom as co-workers of God. Did you know that you are a co-worker of God? Matthew 28, he invites you under the yoke with him. That's a picture of a cattle yoke. And he's going to pull and lend his power while we yoke with him and co-labor with him. See, the friend, friends, the kingdom will not come apart from our cooperation. I know that sounds heretical. I know God's sovereign, but it's simply this. The kingdom of God must come through the sons and daughters of God as the spirit of God works in it for the glory of God. Now, this thought struck me this past week as I returned from the Adirondack mission trip. The kingdom living frees me to live for a purpose. Friends, aren't you encouraged to see all of those, I mean, listen to this, all of those in our church that are living for God's kingdom. There's been three important, huge, influential mission trips this summer. We've had those who faithfully and tirelessly serve the needy people every single Monday evening, even on holidays. We have those who teach and lead you in Sunday school faithfully every week, and they teach Bible studies during the week. We have those who lead small groups, who earnestly desire to, 
to help each other live for Christ. We've got people going to nursing homes twice a week to love them and to speak to them of the hope of Christ, even in the twilight of your years. We have ladies who are faithfully teaching the women. How often have you gone to prison to teach captives Christ? They do it every week. We have those who are getting their training in biblical counseling. Did you know we've got four people, I think it is, that are right now in graduate school so that they can get their training in biblical counseling and come back here to counsel people both here and in our community. Not to mention the many who are giving hours every week and leading us to the throne of God in worship ministries. We have deacons and we have elders giving an unbelievable amount of time. They bear the responsibilities and they care for this body. Friends, listen, why did I tell you that? Because each of those people have latched on to a purpose. And that purpose is found in the kingdom of God. There's another world, there's an eternal one that's worth living for. And friends, the more we understand this, the greater we will live with kingdom purpose, the more freedom we will have to give the very best of all we have for our king. We need a greater understanding of kingdom living, but you know what? Letter B, we need a greater desire to see you reign. Now, if you were honest... And it was just you and I, and you would bear your soul to me. Several of you, because I've talked to you, are going to tell me that, Tim, I just don't have a desire. I know what I should do. I just don't have the passion. Lord, your kingdom come is a prayer for that desire. It's a prayer that the kingdom of God in us will grow. Lord, give me a greater desire to see you reign. It's to pray and ask God to come and to rule in our hearts. That no person, friends, no power, no possession, no position would ever rule our hearts more than a passion for Jesus Christ. That God would be the absolute uncontested, uncontested sovereign God in our lives. That we would yield every area of our lives to Him, the physical and both the spiritual areas. The mental, the emotional areas of our lives, the personal, the social areas, the vocational, and even the recreational areas. Lord, let your, let your kingdom come to the east end of the Lehigh Valley. Bring your kingdom to my neighborhood. Lord, bring your kingdom to my school, to my college, to my business, to my family. Use me, God, in this. Give me a heart-motivating desire to live out your kingdom. Bring the kingdom to me and through me so I could be an ambassador to the world. Friends, that's all wrapped up in this prayer. Let me tell everyone that the king is coming. And they need to respond to his invitation with repentance. Let me know how to describe that kingdom so that they can see it living in my life. This is a prayer, friends, of recalibration. It's recalibrating our minds. It's recalibrating our hearts. Lord, let me live in this life with more passion, more effort, 
more grace and more love. Lord, bring your kingdom. But there's one more thing that we're praying when we say your kingdom come. We're asking that God, and friends, I think this is so important. We're asking that God would culminate history by bringing back our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let me ask you something. When's the last time that you honestly and passionately and sincerely with full conviction asked God to send Jesus back? You know who does that usually? The older people and the people who suffer. Somebody told me in between services that uh, that it's really probably not possible for young people and people who aren't suffering to pray that prayer. And you know what? I think it is. I think we've got to learn the discipline of a redemptive people of God to begin praying even when we're young and even when we're not suffering. Have you ever been in a race, swimming, running, biking, when your lungs are burning in agony? You're trying to inhale more oxygen. Your lungs can't seem to get enough. And if you're like me, mentally, it's the first part of me to go. I start to think, is this really, really worth it? If I stop, the pain goes away immediately. But all of a sudden, you get that glimpse of that finish line. And so digging down deeper, somehow you tap into this reserve. I don't know where it was a minute ago, but it's there now. And you dig into it, and all of a sudden, you kick it up another notch. Friends, this prayer functions in this way. Lord, your kingdom come is a prayer. It's a glimpse of the finish line. It motivates, it galvanizes, it empowers the people of God to dig deep. To pray your kingdom come is to ask God to send his son, Jesus. Now listen, to culminate, complete his redemptive plan. That's the word come. The word come signals an arrival. Your neighbors are coming over to dinner. I can't wait till our relatives come. They're arriving. There will be a point of time when they will be in your house that when your kingdom comes, we're praying for that moment that Christ enters physically back into this world to bring his people home. Lord, right, right now, friends, we're living between the inauguration of the kingdom and the consummation of the kingdom. Where we are on that dotted line, I don't know, but we're on that line and the culmination of the kingdom's coming. Every time you read the newspaper or every time you watch the news, you cannot help but notice you're living in a fallen world. Can't you see that? Those who pray for God's kingdom to come are praying for the day when he will set everything right again. We're asking him, friends, boldly, confidently to hasten the approach of that day. Because when Jesus Christ comes again, here's what he's going to do. He's going to judge the world and he's going to set up his eternal kingdom. Look at what Peter says. Now listen, somebody told me this in between services. You know what? I can't pray that prayer. 
I could do points number one and two, but I can't pray that prayer with number three because I've got people that I love that I'm waiting to come to Christ. And if I pray that Christ comes now, maybe they won't respond in time. Look at what Peter says. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Friends, God won't send Jesus until all who will turn to him have done so. He is a patient, loving God, not wishing for any to perish. Pray the prayer, your kingdom come. Can't, can't you sense? I mean, this just dawned on me this week when I was studying this. You can sense the longing that Jesus has. He's saying, pray, brothers and sisters, pray. Ask my father to send me back to you so I can bring you home with us. That's what he's asking. You ever notice how the Bible ends? Friends, listen, have you ever been an author? Have you ever talked to an author? The way they finish their books, the way that they finish their articles is of utmost importance. Do you want to flip over and see what the last thing that God writes? Revelation 22. You think this isn't important? Look at Revelation 22, the last two verses. The very last two verses of the written word of God says, he who testifies to these things, this is John, the apostle John writing, and this is Jesus about to speak, says, and Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And John writes, amen. And look what he says, come, Lord Jesus. See, John learned something from this teaching, didn't he? John was there in this sermon. John heard Jesus preach and teach how to pray. He heard Jesus say, ask your father to culminate the kingdom. And so he writes, amen, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, amen. Friends, praying this prayer is in a sense asking God to send Jesus back and bring down the curtain on human history as we have known it. What a petition. What a request. It's something we've got to learn. God, your kingdom come. Bring the lost to the end of themselves so that they would repent and turn to Christ. Give us, O King, a greater understanding of kingdom living. Give us a greater desire for you to reign in our hearts. And God, send your son Jesus back to us and usher in the fullness of your kingdom. Are you ready to pray those three points? I'm going to encourage you to immediately put this into effect, not tomorrow, because if you wait till tomorrow, you're not going to be doing it. It's the way our hearts work. Immediately begin praying for God's kingdom to come, knowing that he wants to rescue the lost, knowing he wants to give us a greater understanding, a greater desire of kingdom living, and knowing that he's given us permission to ask him to hasten the day to send his son back. How powerful is that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It's so simple. It's so powerful.
It's so life-changing. God, I pray that we would pray with newfound fervor, newfound passion. Lord, that we would pray this missional prayer of evangelism, God, for those who are lost, those who are dying, that you would bring them into your kingdom. God, may they see the kingdom of God living in us as we hallow your name, as we lift up the name, the character, the personality, the nature of God. Lord, I pray that we'd have a greater desire. Lord, cut us loose from the desire for this world. Lord, give us a desire for the world to come. And Lord, I pray that you would bring back your son. Lord, let us have a a greater desire to be with you than to get a bigger house, to get more kids, to get married even, to get anything. Lord, I pray that our desire for you would dwarf that, so to speak. It would drive us to ask for your return. Let us become a people of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.